You want to be hardcore, you want to be extreme. Well, if you're like the Sandman, then you're listening to the podcast Drunk Wrestling History, dudes. And please be drunk when you hear it. I kept Kleenex in business in the late 90s. Mike Austin might have fucked to knock his wife. But just saying no to this pay-per-view. Wait, were you making a death joke? Told you we should have gone to the donkey show. Stop choking yourself. It's either death or defecation. Woo! Welcome to Drunk Wrestling History is Jericho! For those of you that don't know me, I'm Adam. I may or may not be a hero, but I should be eating a hero sandwich right now. And I'm your designated host. And more importantly, they are the most charismatic drunk wrestling historians to enter your podcasting platforms accessible on a smartphone, tablet, laptop, computer, or television screen. <laughs> this is Eddie. Step off. I'm doing the hump. How in the fuck do we live up to that introduction? <laughs> this is Scott, educating the masses one drink at a time. How does any intro compare to what uh, we're covering today? Good That's point. Good. Yeah, good excellent point. point. Excellent point. But yeah, welcome to uh, our episode. That's a precursor of uh, what we have to cover. Uh, so, said nothing else, so let's just jump jump into this. You got drinks... I got drinks, not Grey Goose, but uh, I mean, in theory, <laughs> it, it should be fitting, right? But <laughs> let's yeah, I do don't it. drink. I don't drink Grey Goose. Um, I drink Corona because I got too drunk from the t- uh, mezcal and Aperol. <laughs> I, had back, I had to back off a little bit. I went out into the kitchen between episodes, and I was like, oh, "I got to switch to Corona." Chris was like, "Are you really drunk?" I was like, "Yeah, dude." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh. <laughs> Living oh, the gimmick, brother. Then this is going to be perfect. <laughs> Jericho would be so proud. <laughs> Drunk a co. <laughs> Jer- or, wait, the term is they must be drunk wrestling jerkaholics. There we go. There you go. There you go. All, All right. right. What, are we, what are we talking about, Adam? So, uh, for today's episode, we are covering a series of events that led up to the culmination that took place on August 9th in the year of our Lord, 1999, on Raw Season season 7, Episode 32 on Pekak. We are talking about the lead-up to the debut, or to the WWF debut of Y2J, Chris Jericho. So, like Adam said, it was August 9th, which, when you're listening to this, it would be just over 22 years ago, which means this would have been a great episode for us to do last summer for its 21st uh, birthday. Yes, the birthday that it could drink. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. That's normally what we we shoot for, but we didn't think about it last year. And Scott, when you suggested this to me, I was kind of like... Yeah, all right. Let's do that because it'll be kind of an easy one. It'll be sh- it'll be a quick. You know, it's. I always try to find um, some episodes that are make two good two hundred five jives. Those that's the the hardest part about this podcast is finding episodes that are going to be quick. And I was like, right. okay, this will be a good one. It'll be fairly easy to research. 
But I was like, I don't know how good it'll be. But I started doing the research. I was like, man, there's a lot that went into this in, uh, this um, debut. I was like, I think this is actually be better than I thought. It's one of the most memorable introductions into the WWF for anybody that came before Jericho. This was such a big deal to the extent that weeks, almost months before his debut, they were teasing it without telling you who it was. You knew something was coming. You just didn't know what it was. And when the moment came, it was so perfect. It was August. It was Chicago. It was the perfect scenario to debut Chris Jericho. Okay, so could either of you find the date of the first Y2J? So they did these countdown clocks. And any listeners we have who are um, not, I guess, I don't know, like 26, 27 years old, anyone younger than that probably wouldn't remember. But in 1999, like the millennium was a huge, huge thing. And you'd see these countdown clocks all over the place. Y2K everything. Yes. Millennium clocks. It was the biggest thing. It was like, I remember going to San Francisco and they have the huge, like, eight-story Macy's at Union Square. They had a big clock on it that was counting down to the millennium. It was everywhere. So it was Everybody like, was re- freaking out about it. Yeah, it was very, right. There was this big whole thing where, like, oh, computers are going to fail and Skynet's going to become self-aware on Y2K <laughs> and this and that. Fun, uh, drunk fact, I was in Pasadena New Year's Eve that night. My credit card... Uh, got charged twice at a pizza place. I called the dude. I said, what the fuck, man? And he said it was a Y2K error. So I was a victim of Y2K. Never forget. Oh, shit. We never forget. <laughs> exactly. It's been 21 years. I've never forgotten. But <laughs> so did either, could either of you find when the first Millennium Countdown Clock aired? Because I couldn't find the date. No, it was weeks and or months ahead of his debut. I believe it was like more like a month ahead of his debut. So, okay, so I'm gonna say some oh, some go some collections that I saw. I think it was maybe just four to five weeks. Be- yeah, uh, or so. I don't know about months. So maybe our drunk wrestling historians are exaggerating, among other things. Okay, so I'm gonna say I'm, it I'm started in mid to late June, where they started yeah. showing this countdown clock. And it's a clock ticking down, and it says the millennium. Yep. And you're like, you see the time on it, and you're like, well, that doesn't make sense, because that's like in a few weeks. That's not January. What the fuck is this? You know? Yeah, that doesn't add up to December 31st. And it's all you see. Nothing else. It gives you no hints toward anything, so you don't know anything that's going on. So within a few weeks, you start hearing rumors that it's going to be Jericho. And it's like, okay, well, Jericho is gone from WCW. And back then, it was like, there weren't a lot of smarks, right? It wasn't like it is now where everyone's on social media and everyone's on fucking WrestleZone. This is still very young internet. Yeah, the yes, majority very young of, internet. Yeah, the majority of people didn't really know what was going on. And like you could kind of draw a conclusion like, well, we haven't seen Jericho on TV in months. But AOL kinda, message boards were going crazy. The, the news groups. Yes. So, and, right? So there were definitely educated guesses, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jericho got the idea for the countdown clock when he saw one of them at the post office. And that kind of goes to what I was saying. Like these countdown clocks were everywhere and he got a, he pitched it to Russo. He'd already signed with the company. He pitched it to Russo and he was like, Hey, what if we do this countdown thing? And Russo, uh, suggested it to Vince. Vince loved it. 
And so it was originally it was time to end at the beginning of Raw on August 9th. The night of the show, Vince said, no, you know what? Because so he was in the kickoff Raw. Because if you could actually like figure out the hours, like if you watched it at, I think Raw back then still started at eight at, at eight o'clock, right? Because remember it, it went to nine nine to eleven, then they added the third hour, then it started at eight. Yes, but back then it was it eight it to ten. So yep. if you were to watch it, it'd be like, oh, the countdown clock's going to end at eight o'clock on August 9th. It didn't end at eight o'clock because Vince changed his mind that night. And he said, "You're going to interrupt the Rock during a promo." And that was one of the things, like, Adam, I know you watched Jericho on the Stone Cold podcast, and I read this in Jericho's book, where he was like, that's the genius of Vince McMahon. You don't just bring the dude out at the beginning of the show. No, you have him interrupt the biggest star in the company. Or, the you know, one of the the top two stars in the company. With the rub that he was going to get, it's like stars kind of aligned for this. He had... He had the idea in place, he had the gimmick in place, and he had, like, the proper booking to properly debut. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, like, if you're if you're having, like, cryptic vignettes and uh, it's going to lead up to a debut, if you do it at the beginning of the episode, then that means you have a countdown clock that is taking place during the previous show, and then you may not necessarily see it. It's just that eventually your dude is going to show up. But, right. And, yeah. And what I didn't see anywhere is whether it was intentional to have his debut be in Chicago, but they could not have picked a better city than Chicago for the debut of Chris Jericho. That's a right? top. That's a top three media market. But absolutely. Perfect. But it's but it's a top one wrestling arena. Very good point. Right. Like Scott. and dude, talk about a vote of confidence in Jericho. Uh-huh. Like, not only are you debuting him in Chicago, as Adam said, one of the biggest markets you can put him in. Yeah. You're putting him against, or promo to promo, against The Rock. Arguably, next to Stone Cold, your biggest star in the company. Now, let's keep in mind, in ECW and WCW, Jericho was not a heavyweight champion. Jericho was right. a tag team or mid-card guy. He was a cruiserweight. However, yes, exactly. However, he's debuting in the biggest company in the world, the WWE, and they are pitting him against their top guy, The Rock. You're immediately elevating him from what ECW viewed him as, from what WCW viewed him as, and you're putting him right at the top of your card against your biggest draw. Wow. I mean, you talk about putting pressure on a guy, Mm -hmm. but Jericho Mm -hmm. was up to the challenge, and it just shows the stock WWE was putting in Jericho upon signing him. You're totally right. And Jericho was one of the guys. So, like, I was never a WCW guy, but there were a few guys that I was a fan of. It was, sure. it would have been like Eddie, Ray, and Jericho were kind of the main guys. So, I As was. As Adam a, said, the cruiserweight guys. Exactly. And when you were hearing rumors that it was going to be Jericho, I was really up because I'd already seen the, um, the 1004 holds, which I yep. believe was also in Chicago. It was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I was like, I couldn't oh, wait. How I was hella perfect ho- circle is that then? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was hella hoping it was Jericho, and then it was, and it was so good because so the rocks in the middle of a promo um, about Big Show, He's and like then it was like on the Big Show, shitting all over the Big Show, and then it was like boom, lights out. Yep, and you're like the countdown was- starts. Well, before With- the countdown starts, explosions, and it was like kind of a minor explosion, just like boom, like a quick firework. And then the countdown starts, and then 
Or maybe I'm, you know what? I'm very drunk. Maybe I have it backwards. I think you're right. No. I think the countdown starts and then it, the explosion, right? Yeah. Yes, the countdown starts. The lights start to kind of go a little bit. Like, they start to flash. The, the colorful lights. Like, uh, af- yes. I would say, like, after two. Th- once it hit 2000, then it just became pitch black after the countdown and then explosions. Yep. But this this just caused more tension. Yeah, and then you get that, the beginning of his music, which is just bass and drums. Like that. And Wait, all- how did it go? <laughs> okay, thank you. It's like an octave, right? Like on bass. Right. Um, and just the only light in the whole, ter- whole arena is the Titan Tron. And it's like the shot of like traffic and shit like that. You know what I mean? Like kind of sort of abstract things. You can't really see what's yes. going on. And then right when they, right when the vocals come in with uh, Adam, do you want to scream it? Break the walls down! Right then, Jericho comes on the screen. The lights come up, and you have Jericho standing there with his back to the audience, with his arms stretched out like in a crucifix pose, in that douchey ass sparkly club shirt and the leather pants. Shirt. Right? The what? The five hundred dollars shirt. shirt, yeah, um, and it was super cool. The way you're just like, whoa, he's got his back to you and he's got his arms out like that. Do you know where he got that idea from? No, I, I would guess Raven, but I don't know. No, he saw um, Michael Jackson in Mexico City in '93, and he said Michael Jackson stood there for like five minutes. He he, he like rose out of the stage like Gangrel, and he stood there in that position, and he said it was literally like five minutes. And then he finally turned around, and he was Total like, "The rock crowd star move, just soak it in." Yeah, you- and he was like, "The crowd went fucking crazy," and he was like, "That's where he got that from." And he said, "If it hadn't been on TV, he would have stood there longer." Damn. So he drew inspiration from the greatest musical act of all time. Right. Right. Yeah. Which, when I read that, I read that in his book um, years ago when his first book came out. I read that, and I was like, "That is the coolest thing," because you know me, like you know how much of a Michael Jackson fan I am. Yes. Like I, I, I had tickets to see Michael Jackson in London. I went, I went to London to see Michael Jackson, but the dude was dead. Right. That's how. Like I marked out hard when I read that. Like that was so cool. You know, like that was kind of a recurring theme with Jericho throughout his career, like taking um, inspiration from music. Yep. His desire to be a rock star, but he, li- yeah, just took it to live the gimmick. Also. How visually appropriate. A countdown to a millennium. Like, you're waiting for the big moment. I would say, like, that silver uh, button-up was, like, he was the new, the Times Square uh, crystal ball. Yep. Like, Good point. Oh, I didn't Good even point. think about that. You're totally yeah. right. I mean, uh, Great I mean point. It's not mentioned on uh, Broken Skull or probably not in his book, but still, it, you're just adding up to that. It's a big visual spectacular. I wonder if he even thought of that, or like he subliminally thought of that. That's really, that's actually a really interesting mm-hmm. um, observation, Adam. Yeah, and everything is like tough foundation, uh, or so. I mean, Undertaker, Big Show, the the closest to flashiest person would be The Rock, just flaunting his riches. Jericho during his uh, during his introduction, saying that he is excellence, which we'll get to, but he is. Physically personifying it, personifying totally. that that he is the Millennium Man. 
You're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's cool. Um, he had his hair like in a top knot. Scott, do you know where he got that idea from? No, I do not. It, it looked real douchey. So it like it completely fit what he was trying to get across to the audience, but I don't know where he drew that inspiration from. He got it from Gene Simmons. <laughs> I forget where I don't think that was in his book. I forget where I heard him say that, maybe on his podcast. But he got that because that's how Gene Simmons wears his hair. Okay. Like and e, that totally like, makes sense. Yeah, Jericho's like, a huge kiss fan. Yeah, like his hair is like E Honda. <laughs> right. Uh, so the crowd went fucking bonkers. They loved it. Like it seemed like half of them expected it or, you know, some of them expected it. But like we were saying earlier, like there wasn't a lot. A lot of people weren't on the Internet and there was no social media back then. So there weren't leaks. So like he could have flown into O'Hare Airport. And if, if anyone saw him at the airport, it wouldn't have shown up on Twitter. Right. Immediately. You know what I mean? Like you could do that. Like unless if you saw him at O'Hare Airport, unless you had Melter's number, you know, you had no way of leaking that. Yeah, there was no immediate news back then. No Facebook, no Instagram, no Twitter, like you said. Yeah. So before he starts talking, he's blowing kisses to the audience, which is fucking great. And and let's not forget his first line. Welcome Welcome to to Raw is Jericho. Dude, he coined a phrase right out of the gate. Immediately, right? He started with the catchphrase right away. Started selling Mm t-shirts right out of the entrance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um... So he goes on to tell us that he's our new hero. He's our new party host and the most charismatic showman to ever enter our living rooms via a television screen. The Millennium Man. A Millennium Man and the Ayatollah of rock and roll. Like, and it was so just good. boom, 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 coining phrases. Right. But yeah, exactly. Yeah, they cut to The Rock and The Rock is fucking pissed. Living. But The Rock was so good in this because The Rock let him talk. Like he talked yep. for a good four or five minutes straight. The Rock didn't yep. interrupt him. The Rock didn't say anything. The Rock was like, go on, kid. Get yourself over. There's money to be made here, son. Do mm-hmm. your thing. And so he comes out to one of the biggest pops you've ever heard. And within a minute, <laughs> the crowd is chanting Rocky because he's up there yes. acting like a fucking dick. Right. That's how good Jericho is, that he immediately got the crowd to turn on him. Like, how many people? And this is Jericho 22 years ago. Like, he was still, he was in his first decade of wrestling. But he I was wouldn't just, call him green, but yeah, he yeah. was still kind of new. Hadn't wrestled a match in WWE. Because remember, there was no NXT back then. He didn't learn the WWE. He hadn't wrestled a match. But here he is, boom, right across from The Rock, cutting a promo. And immediately manipulating a crowd. Immediately like yes. shows up to this hugely anticipated thing. Shows yeah. up as the guy that a lot of people wanted to see, like me, wanted to see come from WCW. And yep. immediately gets himself booed. Skills, yeah, and he starts burying Raw, and I was I'm yep. watching the promo and I'm like, this would never work now. Um, most fans would cheer a guy burying WWE. Well, well yeah, well, yeah. someone burying Raw, they would uh, cheer anyway. Specifically, Raw, yes, like somebody shitting on Raw, they would absolutely be an immediate fan favorite. Yeah, but this was the Monday Night Wars where you picked a side. You were either a, a WWE guy or a WCW guy. Especially in '99, yeah. at that point, you really had mostly picked a side. Right, and here's the WCW guy coming over to the other team, calling your main show boring. It was fantastic. Right, right, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he tells the crowd that they're silent during shows because they're embarrassed to be there. <laughs> yes, yes. And he says that while they're chanting Rocky. Yes. <laughs> um, 
And then he talks about the idiots in the dressing room and the idiot in the ring. And he tells them they're all going to chant, go, Jericho, go. And then they start chanting, go, Jericho, go. But they're like pointing, like, go, go away. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then the rock finally responds and he hits, he kind of hits all his catchphrases. Yep. You know, like Jericho. And Jericho is this. giving the appropriate facial reactions to them. Yeah, the, yeah. So the well, it wasn't exactly appropriate. It was a little much. So the Rock says, "Oh, you talk about your Y two J plan where you're here to save the company." Well, the Rock has the Y has the KY jelly plan, and that <laughs> lube up his size thirteen boot, turn that son of a bitch sideways, and stick it straight up your candy ass. The best part is when he said the KY jelly problem. Lawler asks Jim Ross, "Jr., do you know what that is?" Oh, I missed that. <laughs> <laughs> Did he know what it was? He did. <laughs> he did. JR had a share of enemas back in the day. He knows all about KY. <laughs> that's well, that's true. <laughs> yeah, you um, get to a certain age, you know. Yeah, yeah. I know. T- tell me about it. Yeah. Tickle my prostate. Um, but he kind of oversold it in a way. Like he sort of looked like he went from being like this badass but also a douche to being like kind of a little bitch because the rock. The Rock just used his regular catchphrases on him. He looked like he was going to cry. Right. Which was weird. At the time I was watching, I was like, what the hell is this? And um, reading his book, and, well, Adam, you watched him on Stone Cold's podcast. On Broken, he said... On Broken Skull, uh, which, is, by the way, is season one, episode 15, on Pacock. Um, He has said since then that he thought that he kind of sold it. It was great because as a heel, you should sell those insults, but he sold them kind of a, in a weird way where he like he actually looked like he was going to cry. And like you watch it, you're like, oh, he's kind of a bitch. And he said, like, it's sort of cringy for him to watch it now. It's, a, it's interesting you br- bring that up because so I write that the segment is all over the place. Yes, he's establishing that he's here to save the WWF. Like... It's weird, like, within three minutes, he has fa- a face-like intro su- to suddenly a heel turn to maybe he's a tweener. I don't know. But then he uh, he insults The Rock and then tells the crowd they've been led to believe that mediocrity is excellence. Well, <laughs> Jericho is excellence. And then you say that uh, Rock insults him, uh, and then he starts uh, selling those reactions like... What? How could you say that to me? So, if Jericho is excellence, how come that common insult got to him so emotionally? Yeah, it was a bit yeah. much. Yeah, it was a bit overdone. Yeah. Um, well, look, you can criticize it, but let's bring out the positives here. Y2J, Ayatollah of Rock and Rolla, Raw is Jericho. Three massive catchphrases or nicknames that almost defined the rest of his WWE it run. It would live on for years. On his first night. They lived forever. You're right, Adam. Those mm-hmm. phrases lived forever throughout his WWE run. That's true, and he made a lot of money on t-shirts. Dude, his first night, his first minute in the company, he was selling shirts. Yeah, that's true. And coining phrases. Like, incredible introduction into the WWE universe. Yeah. So what happened is he sort of because he didn't, he didn't become a big star. I mean, he was a big star, but like he didn't really do a whole lot as far as matches or title runs or anything immediately after that. And what happened was he got a lot of heat backstage for this promo. 
because he shows up, he's a guy from WCW, and it was like, I've heard this from a million people back then, like, it was a legit war between companies, and he came in as an outsider and the enemy, and starts talking about how boring and mediocre everyone is, and he got actual heat. And he said in his book that, like, he told Vince, like, let me know what to do, let me know what I'm doing wrong, or whatever, and Vince didn't say anything. And he said he ran that first promo by Russo. Russo said, do it. Um, after talking to Vince about it and every promo after that, he ran by Russo and Russo was always like, yeah, that's good. But he kind of floundered. And then he sort of his first match, his first actual match in the ring was in Winnipeg. And it was a night. <laughs> the rock was supposed to have a nightstick on a pole match with boss man. And there was like a bomb threat at the Miami airport. So the rock couldn't make it. So he got put in the match with him and he, <laughs> he said that someone forgot to like tie the nightstick to the pole. So as soon as like the I think the boss man took his first bump, the nightstick fell off. Oh Jesus. And then they had to like roll around the ring like they were fighting for the nightstick. And he was like horrified and he said Bossman was like laughing the whole time. Like he thought it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> well so, sure, Bossman's like a tenured guy in WWE. Right. He's he a can veteran. laugh all he wants. Right. He's a veteran. He's like, who cares? It's some fucking dumb house show in Winnipeg. But for Jericho yeah. it was a big deal because it was his first match. It's in Winnipeg. It's yeah, his first match in WWE deal. in Winnipeg. And then he did a um promo in Madison Square Garden. And the mic was cutting out. And this is a house show, but Vince was at the house show. And it was, that was another disaster. Um, his first match was, he said in his book, his first match was on the premiere episode of SmackDown. But he's wrong. <laughs> Which is funny. Nobody fact-checked his book. Because his first match was August 26th, I think the night after SummerSlam. It was a match with Road Dog. He lost it by DQ. But the first... SmackDown was in like April of that year. But so all this hoopla with him coming in and he ends up his first match is a DQ lost road dog. And it was because he just talked too much shit and pissed off too many people. And he didn't even know he said he, he said it took him a few months to realize that he'd actually pissed off a lot of people legit. Damn, but he was doing all the right things. Like he, he was running was, his promos by the people in charge. Well, and the, exactly, and the crowd loved him. It was just the other people backstage, the wrestlers, and like, you know, the old school agents. Like, I assume, like Tony Gurria was mad. Yeah, I could you see know. that. And like you said, it was a real war between WWF or WWE and WCW. Like, legitimately, one was ready to put the other out of business. Right. Exactly. You were. That was at like any their given goal. time. Yeah, the goal yeah. was to put them out of business. Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. So, so you're kind of the enemy, even though you're like playing on the same team now. Technically, you came over from the other side. It would be like somebody from the Yankees going to the Red Sox, or vice versa. Like your hated rivals, and even if you switch teams. They're still kind of like giving you the stink eye a little bit. Yeah, it's like the the curse of the Bambico. Bambico? Bambico. Oh. Let's see I'm what I did. Familiar. Yeah. Or the Jer... Eh, I don't know another way to say it. When I interrupt you. <laughs> hang, hang, hang on a second. What is this? I'm the, done cutting your 2,000 flyers. Oh, thank you. Uh, Carissa is done cutting the 2,000 flyers that were taken to SummerSlam. My hand hurts. Thank you, so, Carissa. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so a couple quick, uh, couple quick facts before we close this episode out, because this is a two hundred five drive, and we're at twenty eight minutes, so it's time to go home. Uh, mm -hmm. He got signed for four hundred fifty thousand dollars. That was his guarantee on his first contract, 
in 2021 money, that is $733,000. Okay, wow, good. that's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I believe it was the greatest debut in WWE history. Stone Cold believes that. I can't even argue with that, dude. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Fuck, I couldn't even think of it. Even Goldberg, so, even when Goldberg showed up after 20, it was like they advertised Goldberg. You know, you knew Goldberg was coming. He was advertised, yes, because yeah. they showed a graphic of him at, like, WrestleMania 19. Like, you knew Goldberg was coming. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it also, Goldberg was already kind of past his prime, you know? Um, yeah. Jericho was Bischoff, like that. Bischoff was a surprise. Bischoff, okay. That might be number two. Well, well, but Bischoff wasn't loved like Jericho was loved. Like, people weren't clamoring to see Bischoff. You know what I mean? Like, people wanted to see Jericho. I don't know that everybody wanted to see Bischoff. I think this is a good, uh, I think this is a good episode idea. Greatest debuts? Greatest debuts, yeah. Mm. Could be, dude. Yeah, LOG 2000. All right. You better stop, huh. dude. All right. Good thing okay. we're not doing this okay. episode in person or I would pee on you. So I actually okay. wrote down uh, a bunch of notes about a variety of debuts just compared to Jericho, but we could save it for that episode. Let's do that. Save it. Save it. Yeah. Because I think it. that's a good episode. All right. Um, okay. Another thing about Jericho is he became known for reappearances. He reappeared at the Rumble that one time. He yep. also did the other thing where they did like the code breaker graphics and shit, mm-hmm. you know, and then he right. showed up. Yep. So that kind of was his thing uh, during his WWE years. Um, like he would go away and reinvent himself. Right. And you wouldn't necessarily know it's going to be him. Like it'd be kind of surprising. Yeah, um, exactly. Okay. Another quick thing that I got from his book. So Vince was very hands on with him, with his debut and with him early on. And creative got very involved with, um, <laughs> this is good. Creative got involved with his, the name of his finisher. So he was doing the lion tamer. Vince did not want the lion tamer to be called that because it was too close to Shamrock's lion's den. So creative was, uh, in charge of coming up with new names for his finisher. So here's a list of finishers that Creative came up with from his book. So this is like a picture. They put a picture of the email from Creative. So I'm gonna go, I'm just gonna run right through these. The Millennium Crash, Jericho Shutdown, Turn of the Century, The Bender, Y2 Corkscrew, Ball oh Dropper. God. Huh. Oh Clo- my god. Clover Leaf 2000, Back to the Future. That'd be a good name for uh with the uh, What's the Japanese dude in uh, NXT? Kushida. 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 That's right. Yeah. Uh, Apocalypse. Big Finish. Y23. The Whammer Jammer. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> the J Factor. Y2J Blitz. Jerichoer. Like KO, you know, knockout. Or the Concluder. The Vanquisher. <laughs> The Embarrasser, and in parentheses, have, oh my God. that move is pretty degrading. Dude, we have better ideas when we're fucking hammered. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll sit here right now and, like, I could match these, you know what I mean? Like, be like, oh, there are 30 of these? I'll give Easily, you 30. yeah. Okay. Uh, double Leg Vice of Torment. Can you imagine that? You imagine JR calling fuck? that move? Oh, God. Oh, he's got him in the double J. He's got him in the, the Double Leg Vice of Torment. He'd be pronouncing oh, wow. it like you. He needs to give a 
two or three shots to get it right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, he hit well, him with the ass and your backer. Well, I think JR typically has two or three shots before he gets on TV, <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> not not quite as many as Gordon Zoli, but um the figure Y2J leg lock. Millennium Buster. Y2J catastrophe. When Millen- do we cut you off? This is like Adam with the pay-per-view names. Well, okay. Um, okay, I'll skip through uh, the worst one. Or I'll, skip, I'll, I'll skip two only the best ones. Uh, the Party Favor. E- Eve of Destruction, which is a great movie that I think we've mentioned on the podcast before. Um, Twist of Fate. Ooh. Interesting. The yeah, Party Favor right? would have been good for Adam Rose. Which one? The party, the party favor would have been yeah with the lemon would have party been good for Adam Rose yeah it, it, his move should have been called the lemon party that would be my finisher mm. if I were a wrestler I finished the lemon party many times <laughs> uh, the hero's welcome rock and roller now here now Jericho wrote hand wrote in his own these are he's got some of his are better humiliator by rate. That's a good name for a finisher. Oh, I could see that. It was. Okay. Not anymore so much. Apocalypse Now. Time's Up. Time Killer. Killing Time, which I assume is like the Metallica song, which is a right. cover of a... I forget which band that is. Um, Wall of Jericho. Crash Course, which I'm assuming is Crash Course and Brain Surgery, Metallica. Okay, yep. Symbol of Salvation, which is an Armored Saint song. End time, end of time, end of the age, doomsday device. Uh, how could he pull that off in 99? Come right. on. I don't know. Power Slave, which is another great one, yeah. obviously after the Iron Maiden song slash album. Okay. Save yourself, as in like savior, the word, well, yeah, you know, same I word savior. It. Okay. Yep. No escape in Jericoil. Hmm. I'd have gone with Power I Slave. I like Jericoil. Jericoil's not bad. Yeah, Jericoil's pretty good. And that's it. Those are the names that were suggested for the walls of Jericho. Ugh. Horrible. Wow. <laughs> Horrible. Also, awful. Also, I don't know why it wasn't on that list, but Salad Shooter was one of them, too. <laughs> yeah, Salad Shooter. <laughs> I'm not touching that one, dude. Yeah, it's not nearly as good as the salad tosser. That's my finishing move. I was going to say, you could toss that name right out. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that's all Uh, about all I got to say about Chris Jericho's debut. And I can't believe we've done two podcasts this year about Chris Jericho. Yeah, and you think he's the greatest of all time. You know, I don't... (sighs) You said it. You said I, I did you say that. Stand by it. I did say that, and at the time I felt that way. But he's done some dumbass shit since then. Well, we talked about his dumbass shit on that episode. Yeah, but he's done more dumb shit since then. Since episode, he has, yes. Mm. So I don't know. Um, I'm not sure. I still feel that way. I wouldn't argue with anyone who does feel that way, but I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to really think about it, but I mean, I think an argument can be made that he's the best of all time when you think it, when you look at his credentials and what he's done and his longevity. It's a legitimate argument. Yeah. How uh, crazy I'm, of impact has he made? Yeah. Yeah. L- let's not relitigate this. 
Understood. I, right. I, I like you, Eddie. I would not argue with anyone that said he was the greatest of all time. Yeah, the, you could definitely make that argument, and I I wouldn't dispute you at all. Yeah, but I think we can all agree this was the greatest debut of all time. A hundred percent. There are a few that when you go back and watch them, they give you, as you call them, Eddie, Mark bumps. Mark bumps. The Hardys at WrestleMania a few years ago. Okay. That's one that still does it to me. And then going back and watching this Jericho debut absolutely is one that I think is the absolute greatest of all time. You cannot match that pop when Jericho in letters appears on the screen and then the lights go up and he's standing there. It's one of the greatest moments in WWE history. And and you couldn't have picked a better city to, to do it in. Chicago is the best wrestling city of all time. And it's why WWE is the greatest company of all time. To to present his debut the way that they did and to have the lead up to it. Yeah. And, and they're geniuses, dude. And you know, I forgot to mention this. I had in my notes the production of the whole thing with the lights out, the fireworks, the only the screen lit up. Like that's one thing that um I t- I'll talk a lot of shit about WWE and I'm and I don't I'm not, I don't mean to talk shit about anyone else. Nobody does production like WWE. Like, that's nope. one thing. Like, you can talk, you can say they don't know what the fuck they're doing or Vince is out of touch or blah, 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 blah. Nobody produces a show as far as on a technical level the way they do. And AW's, it's funny because they've been doing it for so long and yeah, nobody else has picked right. it up yet. Exactly. And I've also heard that Vince pays his production people way more than like the going rate for that so that he can get the top guys who. And they won't ever leave because they're not, you know, because they can't get that kind of money anywhere else. But right. um, nobody does that type of thing the way they do. You know, that's where they really excel above and beyond every other company. I mean, it's yeah, and this is a shining example. It's in their name. Absolutely. You might argue that other other promotions, oh, we have the best wrestlers, and or no, we have the best wrestlers. WWE is part of that argument, but something that they could definitely say over all the others, we know how to entertain. Totally, totally. Yeah. Yeah. And here's the interesting thing is that AEW supposedly has two big names that are going to be debuting with the company soon. Right. Let's see what they do with them compared to what WWE did with Chris Jericho 22 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, that that's actually a good point. Will we be talking about those debuts in 22 years the way we're talking about Jericho's debut 22 years ago today? Doubt it. It's, doubt it. It's I really doubt it. hard. Because I doubt it's, it. it's still a novice company that may still be working to getting to that entertainment level. And to be fair, neither neither of those guys are going to be still working in 22 years. You know, because of their age. Well, sure, but sure, but um, that doesn't mean that their debut, yeah. given their stature in the business, yeah, wouldn't be warranted to still be discussing it in twenty-two years. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see if there is an AEW in twenty-two years. I Great hope there point. is. You know, I really uh, hope there is because I love I I love AEW. Um, but and on the flip side of that, knows? WWE is always better when they have solid competition. Absolutely, for sure. Yeah, we were talking about that Ooh, earlier today. Yeah. If Punk yep. and Brian show up there, what is Vince going to do? And, um, okay, it's, what's today? January 30th? And we got that. Janu- no, it's July 30th. Oh, January. <laughs> July 30th. I got that Ticketmaster alert earlier that they changed the name of SummerSlam 
to WWE versus SummerSlam or whatever the fuck. Then it changed back. So we were all wondering if there was going to be a big angle shot on SmackDown tonight. So if you guys are listening to this in, uh, I don't know, August or September, look back to January 30th. And uh, if a big angle was shot, we called it. And I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go mm-hmm. watch SmackDown in the uh, hot tub with my uh, hot wife, not Lucky. not hot Asian wife, but hot white wife. Can you send me pictures, please? <laughs> sure. Thank you. P- pictures right. of my feet. <laughs> the rest of you motherfuckers have to pay for OnlyFans. I don't. <laughs> yeah. All right, I get them free. Adam, so let's get well, let's get out of here. What what an episode that we had. That we, of this. Uh, that everything that revolved around the debut of Jericho, it really it really showed this whole segment that he was just he was a competitor, maybe not to jobbing, maybe his cockiness got the best of him, but you could see that he was willing to learn, he was willing to grow. Vince really showed off his investment on this particular night, and it is paying off big time, even still today. So, that takes care of our Jericho debut episode. What did you think of this episode? Uh, please let us know on the social media platforms. Leave us reviews on the podcast platforms. We'd definitely love to hear everything that you have to say so that we could keep this drunk wrestling adventure afloat. With that said, with Eddie and Scott, I'm Adam. Just reminding you to... What is it? Shit. Maybe the Grey Goose got to me. Uh, follow <laughs> safety protocols. Uh, enjoy your buzz. Watch wrestling responsibly. Drink like nobody's watching. We will see you for another fantastic episode. And one, two, three. Ring it. See y'all. Hot honky wife. You said cock. <laughs> <laughs>